Welcome to the Beyond 3D podcast, where we explore all things 3D and the important role that 3D data plays throughout the manufacturing process, driving decisions throughout a product's life cycle. Here, we talk with industry analysts, business owners, developers, and industry influencers, and hear real stories that you can relate to and learn from, and know which trends and technologies apply to your business. So join us as we go Beyond 3D. Welcome, everybody, to the Beyond 3D podcast. This is our very first episode, and we're really excited. I want to just go ahead and jump in and, and introduce our guests here today. We have Dave Opsall, who is Vice President of Corporate Development for TechSoft 3D. Hi, Dave. Hello. And we have Tyler Barnes, who is Vice President of Marketing at TechSoft 3D. Hello, Tyler. Hello. And we also have TJ McHugh, who is a writer for Forbes and other publications, and also spent eight months on the road with the 3DRV, visiting people, talking about all things 3D. So thank you, TJ, for joining us here today. Hi, good to be here. And so with this podcast, we want to talk about kind of all things 3D, right? Everything from the technology and some trends to process and business decisions and or business issues and 3D PDF is something that we're going to be talking about. Different trends in software development is something we're going to be talking about. And so this first episode is really just for us here to explore what are some of the most pertinent things out there that we think our listeners will be interested in and that we'll be talking about. And, and um, yeah, it's just kind of like an intro intro episode. So to get started, why don't we share a bit about ourselves with our audience? Um, just take a minute or so to tell our listeners a bit about your background and your current role. So Dave, why don't you go first? Well, I've been involved with 3D software for longer than I care to admit, actually. Uh, I started working with it at Boeing many years ago. I've since moved over and worked on the supplier side, software developers in a variety of different spaces like product lifecycle management or supply chain management and visualization software is another thing I've been involved in. And today I'm working for TechSoft 3D and we are a toolkit manufacturer. We sell component software to people who develop applications around 3D. Okay. And Tyler? Sure. Um I haven't been in the industry quite as long as Dave, but prior to TechSoft, I was at Autodesk for uh, over a decade. Spent about half that time working in product management. Took about seven different Autodesk applications to market uh, there. My last role was managing the uh, Autodesk Inventor family of products. I managed the product management team there for Inventor, for product design suite, and for all of the kind of family of, of Inventor products. Um, also spent quite a bit of time in marketing at Autodesk. So I worked on uh, product marketing for Inventor for quite a long time, took some of the, the early products that you know now to market in their first iterations on the Autodesk labs like Fusion 360, like Inventor Fusion. Prior to Autodesk, I worked in high-tech marketing for a number of different marketing agencies. And I'm now the VP of marketing here at TechSoft. So I'm responsible for uh, kind of managing the TechSoft brand, um, overseeing content creation, communication strategy, product marketing. I do a lot on the, the inbound side as well, so market intelligence, informing product strategy, sales strategy, uh, those types of things. Excellent. And TJ? All right. Well, 
I've been doing marketing and research work for technology companies for the last 25 years and um, have done work with the Autodesks of the world and Lenovo and HP and, uh, as you mentioned, spent uh, the better part of a year traveling around doing research and writing about all the people doing things with 3D scanning, 3D printing, 3D software. And I currently write for Forbes in addition to the clients that I work on marketing projects for. Excellent. And I forgot to say my name. So I'm Angela Samos. I do PR and communications for TechSoft 3D. So so thanks, everybody, for, for joining us. In your conversations with customers, partners, even you know prospective companies, people that you want to be working with, what are some of the common themes that you find come up in those conversations, whether they be technology-related or business-related? Dave, what are some of those themes that kind of keep popping up? Well, I think on the uh, the independent software vendor side or ISVs is typically what we call people who develop those applications. The the complexity of the data that they're dealing with is you know paramount. I think in in you know most of their minds, finding a way to deal with you know all the different directions the data is coming from. TJ mentioned 3D scanning and how that's being used to mm-hmm. you know create. 3D models of things that before I think if they weren't designed that way to begin with, they'd be extraordinarily difficult to try to replicate in 3D. And so, you know, there's there's just a, a constant theme of that, you know, how to absorb all that, how to make it relevant. You know, there's there's uh, always that problem of you've got 3D data out there, but, you know, what are you going to use it for? So we're also seeing a lot of attention, you know, being given to applications that aren't 3D in nature, but could be could be enabled by 3D for ease of navigation or drawing relationships between, excuse me, between information that previously it would have been really hard to, to find a way to make, say, something like a, an ERP or enterprise resource planning application enabled with 3D so that you could navigate it with 3D rather than trying to figure out from text exactly what it is you're looking at. So things like that is something we see quite a bit of. And... We talk a lot about 3D data, and it's been talked about in the industry for a long time, but is everybody using 3D data already, or are there still some people that are making that transition and trying to figure it out? Oh, I, I think there's still a lot of people that are trying to figure that out. There was uh, a company that we were talking to uh, just earlier this week that uh, is over a, a billion dollars a year, in, sorry, billion euros a year in revenue, and they they are still managing what amounts to a lot of their product management systems with with Excel spreadsheets. Okay. You see that over and over again. Yeah. And what what do you think is some of the the barrier to making that transition? Is it just kind of what you were saying, you know, trying to figure out how do you take that first step and and adopt or Well, I my I, what I've seen is is that the the workforce or the people that have to deal with this data by and large are younger than many of us that have been in the industry for a long time and they they don't have a lot of tolerance for things that are not very easy and very um, <laughs> uh, intuitive to use mm-hmm. and I think that this is another part of the complexity side of things is the people developing the software are trying to figure out how to satisfy the needs of those of those uh, users to make something that uh, is extremely intuitive to use, you know, where training really is not something that's an issue. 
you know, in design applications, that's not going to be something you can do that quickly. But when it comes to an experience of, say, navigating information in a document or on a web page, if it's not brain dead simple, it's going to be really tough to see it adopted on a wide basis. Right. Um, I think. Yeah. Go I ahead. think to add to that is that there's this expectation now, right, that you can get a simple focused app to do the task you're trying to do. And so for the person, as Dave is talking about, you know, you, you have someone who can go download various pieces to get a job done, various pieces of software. And their expectation is if there's an engineer in a firm who's using, you know, pick any one of the big CAD players, and that person wants to see that document, they're not going to go spend thousands of dollars to get that seat license. Yeah. They're going to want to view it, right? And that's where, obviously... You know, from my experience of traveling around and spending, you know, five plus years specifically looking at 3D tech and, and writing about it and researching it is people just want that user experience to be quick and painless and very focused. So they'll they'll download, you know, the or they'll just use the 3D capability of a PDF viewer because they have absolutely no need of a full fledged CAD package. So I think there's some of that. And if if the data is embedded in that so much, the better. Right. If it's not just, OK, I'm spinning an empty model. That's interesting, but it's really cool when I can dig down in and say, oh, it's this dimension or it's this part number or it's this spec. And that helps me to get work done from you know, whatever mm -hmm. tool I'm working in. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you'd say that, TJ, because we refer to that and Tyler will identify with us. We refer to that as 3D on a page where you just simply you know, have something that might be interactive, but in the context of somebody's workflow. They want, they want the ability to have that be related to the information, the rest of the information they need to be able to do their job. And, you know, if that's not connected, if that's not related and it's not a very clean, intuitive user experience, they're, they're not going to do that. Uh, they're not going to adopt that. And I completely agree on the the, the app-like thing. They, they want something that mimics the experience they have using a mobile device every day. Yeah, you know, it's not a desktop application anymore in most cases. And uh, I wanted to go back to you, TJ, with that original question, too. It sounds like you already um, contributed some of that. But what are some of the common themes that you are, are seeing as you talk to different companies and work with different companies when it comes to, to 3D data and, and working with 3D? I think the biggest one is one that we're already alluding to is that people don't realize that these tools are available. And to Dave's point, that they oftentimes they're integrated. You don't even know that you can do that same thing on a desktop that you can do on a mobile device. But I think the biggest thing, and it's it's been over and over again, it's like you see 3D. I think most people, even people that are working beside it, see it as, you know, it's a movie, right? It's a 3D experience that you're, you're in some visual element. It's virtual reality or augmented reality. But it's, there's so many things that we have that are, there's 3D data already for it, right? I mean, you're sitting outside a building, the guy who designed that building, or the gal who designed that building has probably got all of the data points in a big file that, you know, you could take apart that wall and see all the pieces of it. So it's, it's mostly awareness, I think, that there are very user-friendly tools to help you get a job done that would make your life easier if you just looked around a little bit and grabbed hold of that tool. Yeah, I, I do remember that from the, the 3D RV tour that it was amazing despite the amount of 
tens of thousands, even dare I say millions of dollars that are spent trying to make people aware of even free tools that are available, people still just don't know what's available to them or what's capable. It's like you say 3D and there's just this impression that, oh, that's just going to be too, that's too difficult. That's out of my realm. So clearly there's an education and awareness problem we're always chipping away at, right? Tyler, what's your take on some of this? Are you seeing some of the same things? Anything different that you're seeing? Yeah, it's it's funny you you mentioned that awareness. I, you know, a really great example of that is something that we see all the time as the the company that develops the three D PDF technology is um, almost no one is aware that Acrobat Reader, which is installed on almost every person's desktop in the world, can view three D. It can do measurements and markups and sectioning and. Almost everyone has this jaw-dropping moment of, what? I didn't have any idea that I could do this. I don't need something else to, to view this special 3D PDF file. And it's, no, you know, <laughs> in fact, everybody has the ability to do it. And it's just the, the, the awareness of it. I think that in terms of adoption, um, it depends on where, where in the world you're talking about. If you're talking about design creation, 3D is very much across uh, the chasm and um, is mainstream. You know, back back when I was working with an inventor, I I'd say 80, 90 percent of the manufacturers um, were using 3D for engineering, and and the reason being is that it, there's just there's such a big competitive disadvantage to not using 3D just in terms of having an exact replica, you know, digital replica of your product and being able to do things with it, like run stress simulations or, um, how, how is this thing going to react if I, if I dropped it and, you know, that type of thing, there's just, there's such a disadvantage to not using it. Now, if you go further downstream, Dave was referring a, a partner he was talking to last week and some of the the, the spreadsheets that they were using, and that's very typical. So, you know, the further you get away from an engineering department, the more companies struggle with getting that 3D data into people's hands. And I think that's that's kind of the big challenge is, is you know, 3D is absolutely, there, there's so much information included in the 3D data. And there are people that are outside of engineering, um, procurement, suppliers, customers, there's all, sort, all of these people in the chain that really could, could benefit from access to the data, and and that's kind of the challenge: is how do you how do you get that three D data into people's hands so they can make good decisions based on um, what's happening in engineering? So it's interesting. Okay. You, so you, you mentioned, sorry, I don't know if it was Dave or TJ. Just a quick question: you mentioned that you, I think you said about eighty to ninety percent of manufacturers are already using three D data at the engineering level. What percentage of that eighty ninety percent are using three D data? for that group you were just talking about that don't typically get access to the 3D data or or contribute? It really depends on the maturity of, of the organization. Um, some companies are very advanced because they see real business benefits in tying people together through the data. So whether that's using PLM or PDM, giving people a view to what's happening in engineering and, and allowing them to use that data. Um, smaller companies or, or more kind of conservative companies may not be as far along in that process. So I think it's a, you, you see pretty different things depending on on the organization. Now, Dave, if you have a thought on that. Well, there's, uh, there's, there's a metric that gets used that I, I can't 
actually cite the source of it. Uh, I think it's just sort of a generally accepted idea that for every person in engineering, you've got somewhere between 25 and 50 people outside of engineering some somehow involved in the life cycle of that product, whether as a user of it, as somebody who's maintaining it, somebody who's doing something. And every one of those people has no access generally to a CAD system or certainly not to the CAD system that was actually used to design whatever it is that's being built or constructed. And so if you think about, you know, uh, just a lot of the activity that goes around, you know, a product, um, think of an automobile or an aircraft and the, the maintenance of that, the operation of it, uh, the training of people to actually use that complex product. You know, there's value in being able to use 3D as a way to make those those tasks easier and more proficient. And I, th I think that speaks to how, how broadly the data could be used if people just had an easy way to, to uh, consume it, to get their hands on it, uh, which is kind of where we, you know, really see a lot of activity around 3D PDF because it does have that capability. You, you can create those relationships with the data. It's a tool that everybody's familiar with, very easy to use. It's available in a variety of different form factors. So a lot of the things that we've been talking about are something that that technology actually delivers for people. I'll ride along on and Tyler and Dave's thoughts with, um, I was at a NASA facility where very specific to what you guys are talking about, they had the building model, but they had over many, many years done retrofits and remodels and changes. And they would send a maintenance crew out to fix something in the field. And it was the field for them was often under these buildings. And they had, you know, various sensors or, you know, fire extinguisher things or meters of different types. And they literally would have, let's say they sent an electrician, he might spend eight hours looking for that item. So these guys 3D laser scanned the entire subterranean, you know, basement type structures. And they wound up saving you know, something in the order of $1.4 million a year in maintenance costs just from sending out, you know, a $100 an hour electrician and letting him burn a day trying to find the specific thing he was supposed to fix because there were so many and they couldn't, it would take them so long to locate them. But then they added that data into the building model. So when they pulled it up to do maintenance, they were able to go right to it. And how did they, how did they add uh, that 3D data? Was it something that they designed or they laser scan it or, because obviously that building has been there for a while, right? And I can imagine that they've had 3D data the whole way or the whole time. Right. I think from the laser scans, and my, my memory is a little bit rusty here on this, but um, the laser scans gave them the physical object location, you know, from an eyeballing it perspective. And then they probably had to go in and, you know, manually identify or pull codes off of those items and potentially manually enter it. But I'm not sure about that because they made it sound like it didn't take that long. Well, that's a great example because I think a lot of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it could be that you know, let's say there is a, an existing structure or an existing machine or ship or whatever it is that the plans are currently in 2D, but someone says, hey, we need a 3D model of this. And the idea of, oh my gosh, creating a 3D model of this huge behemoth thing, that's going to take forever. But again, it's an awareness thing of, well, if you had a laser scanner, you could do that fairly quickly versus having to do it all by hand, right? And again, awareness, education, maybe people think, laser scanning is going to take 
it's going to be really expensive, that sort of thing. And that's not the case anymore, right? You can do laser scanning. It's fairly affordable nowadays and, and really efficient. So again, back to the awareness and, and education element of things. Am I off my rocker on that one? No, I, I think I think you're spot on. I think that that's you know part of what it is that we see some of our partners uh, developing software struggle with is is that because it is so affordable, because you can actually use it in a lot of different places, there's just this incredible deluge of, of, of data. And in the case of scanning, like TJ was talking about, point point data, point cloud data that you can get in, and you can use that in a lot of different ways to reconstruct something that. You know, maybe it wasn't designed originally with the aid of, you know, a computer-aided design application. You can go in and you can use it in a maintenance role. Um, we see this particularly with things that have long life cycles. So if I've got something that was designed 50 years ago, think of, uh, you know, aircraft are always a good example. Uh, if I have a part for which all I have are a set of 2D drawings, we actually know of cases where, uh, suppliers will no longer accept 2D drawings as a way to bid on something that they are being asked to manufacture. They they insist on having a 3D model. Well, today you can laser scan that entire model and go through and create something that you can then use to automate the, the actual creation of that, whether through 3D printing or through subtractive manufacturing or whatever technology you want to use. So, no, you're you're right on, Angela. Okay, good. Just making sure I'm not crazy. <laughs> So we are coming up on, on our time, and so we'll just go around and I'll just ask with this podcast if there's one thing you'd like to see us communicate to our listeners or talk about, something that you think is really important, what would that one thing be? And we'll, let's start with Tyler. Well, I you know, one thing that we didn't kind of get to talk to is, is just kind of um, – what's going on in, in the world of software development for engineering applications right now. And, and we're in a kind of a unique position here at TechSoft in that we work with almost every single company that's in the CAD CAM PLM space that's, that's you know, where, where 3D data is important to to their application. And so we have a, a pretty interesting view on on the trends and, and what what challenges software developers and and their end users are facing. So what their end users are driving them to do. There's also, you know, just a an explosion of new technology. You know, graphics technology is changing so fast. Developer tools are changing so fast. There's all these different platforms, different browsers. Do you do you develop, you know, native web apps or, or native apps or web apps? There's all of these big decisions that that companies are struggling with right now and I think that's what we really want to want to put front and center here in this in this podcast is we we know this is a really exciting time to be a software developer we also know it's a pretty scary time to be a software developer and and that's kind of we're going to be talking about you know some of these big big hairy issues and and what what certain companies are doing to uh, to address these issues and stay successful and how they're making decisions so um, that's what I'd say yeah and I think you you identified at least three topics that could be three different episodes <laughs> for the podcast. So for sure, we'll be addressing all those issues. Thank you. Dave, what about you? Well, I think, you know, if I were to sort of characterize what, what I see as top of mind out in the marketplace right now, this this I think it's related to things that both TJ and Tyler have talked about, that the, the kind of experience that TJ was describing where people want to be able to just simply take an app that apps... Yep, is is all that's required to actually do a specific job. 
this idea that that mobile apps, which then have to have a cloud component behind them, generally, you know, that that is as big a shift as I think I've seen since people started using solid modeling to actually create the design information they need to describe something that's being built, whether it's a ship or a plant or anything of that nature. So this whole area around cloud and mobile is driving a lot of the technology changes that Tyler was describing. And I think that's just a really rich area for us to dig into in, you know, in coming conversations. Excellent. Yes. Another, another rich area for more episodes for sure. So thank you. And TJ, you, you actually have a unique perspective being a writer and then also working with lots of other companies in the manufacturing and the CAD world too. From your perspective, what would you like to see us cover on this podcast? I think the things you've just mentioned are going to capture attention given the audience I think you're going after. I guess the only thing I might mix in is some hardware that's sort of the eye candy, even though there's a podcast, you know, it's, I think, you know, like a tango phone, for example, you know, and the sensors they're putting in things that's clearly going to be bringing 3d data to the table. If people are aware that they can do something with it, you know, deeper than just, you know, surface scans that you see. Right. Um, so I think there's, you know, like the graphics cards, they're not necessarily always the coolest things to talk about, you know, if you're putting something inside your machine, but I think there's hardware aspects that give you better experiences with 3d data that you don't necessarily have to talk straight out about 3d data, but you can talk about the tools that are making some of that easier and more, you know, detailed for people who are just walking into the field, not necessarily the engineer mm-hmm. or, or the designer, but people who are the, many of the people who are starting to design and invent and create, you know, to, to Tyler's experience at, you know, with inventor. I mean, a lot of the people that are using that aren't necessarily engineers anymore. Right. Okay. So that's fair. We can, we can, uh, describe the hardware, whether it's a drone or a laser or a phone, we can, we can try and describe that. Yeah. And I think you put Dave and Tyler out in a field and you hear the drone (laughs) and them running for cover sound in the background. (laughs) No, no, go left. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thank you all for your time today. Uh, I'm excited to be kicking off this podcast with you all. I think we're going to be covering some really important topics that a lot of people still have questions about and hopefully our listeners feel the same way and, and, listen in and subscribe. So thank you to all the listeners out there who have joined us on this pilot episode. I encourage you to subscribe on SoundCloud and eventually on iTunes. And please share this podcast with friends, colleagues, and um, we hope that you will join us in future episodes. So until next time, thank you, everybody, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for joining us on the Beyond 3D podcast, hosted by TechSoft3D. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review, or subscribe on SoundCloud. To listen to past episodes or learn more about TechSoft3D, visit www.techsoft3d.com forward slash blog. Send us comments and suggestions at info at techsoft3d.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next episode of Beyond 3D. Thank you.